a lot of our property owners, they've tell us like, hey, we don't need your help during our peak season, but we do need our help, your help on the back half. So their annual membership is really just to focus on getting tenants during their slower season. And wherever you are across the country, if you're in a snow area, sun area, whatever, you know, you're going to have ups and downs and, you know, connecting with traveling professionals and that stay months at a time is just a great way, let's call it on your off season. It's a great strategy. And that's what we do. Furnish Finder will just, will feed you these travelers. So you're, you know, you create a listing that you're probably familiar with, and then the listing process will kind of match you with the travelers. The travelers can contact you directly, or you kind of get all the information on a tenant lead, contact the lead and you make them your tenant, however you want. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth, Short-Term Rental Blueprint, will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, Go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fast fire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts. Leiti and Kenji. We are so excited to have Brian Payne here. He is the CEO and founder of Furnished Finder. And a lot of our students use your platform. And so we really wanted to invite you, Brian, here to share more about your platform and help. We're always asking ourselves, how can we make our students more successful? And this really fits into how we can help our students get more cash flow from their rentals. So welcome, Brian. Oh, thanks so much for having me, guys. So Brian, can you, for people who have never heard of Furnished Finder, um, would you mind giving us a little bit of background on yourself and how you started this organization? Yeah, sure. Uh, So my name is Brian Payne, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Furnished Finder. Furnished Finder is a monthly furnished rental platform um, you know, a lot of uh, travel nurses and other types of remote workers will use our platform to find midterm housing. So monthly housing, you know, we're traditionally known in, in the healthcare space because travel nurses, uh, which are, you know, uh, overworked and, and always looking for places all across the U.S., not just uh, in the last 20 months, but, you know, many years before that. So, yeah, but I mean, travel nurses and other types of travelers come to our platform. We've got about 70,000 uh, listings on our site. So they can come, they can take a look, they can interact with the landlords directly, and then they can uh, book directly. So when 
travelers are coming to furnish finders. No, there's no booking fees for the traveler. Um, and all the landlords, we take traveler safety very, very seriously. So all the landlords are all uh, authenticated. They've got to answer out of wallet questions, uh, things from your credit report and history, things like that. Um, and if they can't answer them, your the listing just doesn't go live on our on our platform. So for for uh, traveler safety. So yep, that's a, a little bit in a nutshell. And looking forward to telling you more. Yeah, and I, I really love uh, this kind of category. I mean, just to give the listeners a, a landscape of like what we're talking about for people who are kind of new to rental properties and and. And with rental properties, you know, you don't just have a, a long-term tenant, you have other options, right? You can do short-term on the one end of extreme, which could be as, as little as one day, uh, one night stay. Right. And then you have your long-term rentals, uh, which are, you know, your 12, 24-month uh, stays. And then you have something in the middle here. And that's really what we're talking about here is kind of the midterm stays. Uh, we like to call them long shorts. They're different <laughs> than your long-term rentals because you're furnishing them, right? Mm -hmm. Just like your short-term rental, but instead of housing somebody who's there for less than seven days, you're housing somebody there for longer. So it, when you say travel nursing, you know my understanding is that the typical contract is about 90 days, three months. And so therefore you're housing somebody for three months. But you know, I really kind of want to get back to the origin story of, of your company. Oh, sure. Like, so how, how did all this get started? Like what, you know, was this an idea that you had? Was this something, a pain point that you realized? Were you talking to some nurses and and kind of kind of going and they were saying, oh, I, I can't find housing. What, where, where did it all get started? Yeah. So I can um, take you back, Bakersfield, California, 2014. Uh, actually, even before then, um, I was working as a, a pacemaker and a defibrillator rep for Boston Scientific. And, and that was my territory, Bakersfield and Lancaster, California. So essentially, I would have a lot of access to these travel nurses. I'd do late cases with them, cases on weekends, ER, ICU, cath lab, surgery centers, ORs, things like that. So I'd be working with a lot of travel nurses. So even you know before that, my wife and I got married and um, she was saying, well, what am I going to do with my, my two-bedroom condo? So she just, she put it on Craigslist and, um, you know, said that it's furnished and we got contacted by a travel nurse company and said, hey, can we put our travel nurse in there for three months? And we said, Great, perfect. We don't have to worry about it. It's already furnished. We don't have to take you know do anything to the property and come on in. And it bought us some time to go on our honeymoon. And then um, after that, they said, um, "Can we renew? You know, they'd like to stay in there for another three months." <laughs> perfect. I like this. Um, and then they said, "Can we put in another travel nurse? Can we put in another travel nurse?" We said, "Wait a second. There's something here. Like." How how often are travel nurses coming to this area, and and why is this is this a, a steady tenant pool that we can expect, and then how can we target more? So uh, we bought a few more properties, and we were able to fill them very very quickly. So that became our you know our retirement model, our passive income model was to buy properties and to you know rent to traveling healthcare professionals. I say travel nurses, but there's, you know, there's all types of traveling healthcare professionals, PAs, you know, rad techs, all the different spectrum, but we kind of lump them in together. So no offense to all the other healthcare workers out there when we say travel nurses, but yeah, that's kind of how we got started. Um, at least in this space as landlords, we had 10 properties. And um, so I'd be doing these cases 
these cardiac cases with the nurses, but then also be their landlord as well. So it was a kind of an interesting dynamic. And that's how we got started. And I can progress from there if you want. Well, let's talk about um, what were the upsides and downsides of ha- having people stay for three months, for example, or six months. Yeah. Um, how did that compare to what you could have done if you did a short-term rental under seven days versus a long-term rental? Why do you like this niche so much? Yeah, I think it's a really good point because I mean, we just didn't. I just didn't have that much time. You know, any doctor or medical professional just doesn't have that much time. They're dedicating their time to to patient care and. Um, you just, it's difficult to do both. Um, so this is why the uh, the midterm uh, worked out really, really well for, for us. Uh, we didn't want a 12-month tenant, didn't really want to deal with, um, you know, with evictions or anything like that. Not that it always happens, but it can happen. And and then that could be six months down the drain of your, of your uh, income. So Again, we kind of fell into the furnished rental market, how I was describing, but then we really liked it. And that became our strategy. We had the decision or we made the decision to go longer term because it just worked better for our lifestyle. We were still able to get higher rent than we would uh, as a 12-month unfurnished rental and not quite as much as a you know nightly rental, but you know the time was the, the generating factor because we just didn't want to have a you know turnover every four days where we had to go in there, the wear and tear on the property and then replacements and all of that. So this just suited our lifestyle as a healthcare professional uh, much, much better. So let's talk about that time factor because what I'm hearing <laughs> is you self-manage, really. Um, you're working with the furnished finder company to self-manage rather than having a property manager, which you might have with a long-term rental or some, some of our students are self-managing those short-term rentals, which do, does take yeah. more time, or they're getting a property manager who takes a huge chunk of the cut of, uh, yeah. You know, and we cost. never wanted to do a property manager situation. It was all a self-managed. And when I say that, I mean, we did have some of our properties were in Texas that we would manage. We had properties in Texas that we had never even been to. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was difficult at first, and it's definitely a kind of a, a risk to do it uh, remotely in a city you don't live in. I would, if you, to start, I would do it in the city you live in or nearby. However, we were we were comfortable doing that. We found a, all we needed really was a cleaning crew and a handyman, and the handyman had to be willing to kind of do things like, okay, that mirror is broken, please go get it. This needs some new light bulbs. The 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 uh, remote door lock needs new batteries, you know, things like that that are important that need to get changed in between new tenants. Um, so we found a, a handyman. It was a husband wife couple and they were, you know, they were perfect. The husband would fix stuff um, and, and, and put new stuff in, put furniture together. She would buy and decorate. It, it was great. It was really, really good. But uh, yeah, it, it can work. Really, from wherever you are, I would start where you are. But as you get more comfortable, you can branch out. Well, lucky for you, our students are comfortable investing out of state right from the start. That's <laughs> there you that's, go. That's how that we approach it. So, oh, good. So, what kind of properties are really great candidates for a furnished finder? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not the vacation rental, beachfront, four bedroom mansion. It's 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 not because these are these are professionals that are there to work. They're there to they typically will get a stipend from their from their company they're going to choose the housing themselves 
And uh, so they're going to be looking to, to save some of that stipend money and make it and stretch it out as far as they can go. So really, um, we would buy one or two bedrooms, no pool, you know, but one or two bedrooms, whether it's one or two baths, fine. Um, we would look for properties that are inexpensive. Uh, we would furnish them relatively inexpensive, not terrible stuff, obviously, but uh, we would find deals on furniture. Like a lot of the rental centers, you can buy their gently used furniture and stuff like that. And some of that, sometimes that would would uh, work out okay. But you, uh, we were spending uh, usually around $5,000 to turn over, to turn an unfurnished unit into a furnished unit. And uh, that would usually take us 45 30 days if we're local, probably up to 60 days, maybe if it's uh, 45 to 60 days, if it's out of, out of state. But other than that, that was kind of uh, kind of our approach. Did these properties, do they need to be kind of closer to you know hospitals? Is there a benefit to that? Do they need to have bus systems close by? What or do they need to have garages? Can you give any other insights on what makes a property attractive? Uh, I mean, for our types of travelers, these are traveling professionals. They're remote workers. They need fast Wi-Fi. They need a comfortable place, a quiet place, a safe place, you know, first and foremost. It can't be uh, too expensive. We do have all types of travelers. So it's not just the travel nurse anymore. You know, we have IT professionals. We have, you know, traveling professors. We have, um, you know, engineers, contractors, all of the above in this, you know, in COVID has shaped, reshaped kind of how we look at remote work. A lot of companies haven't totally gone back or are kind of working on a hybrid basis. So, you know, so many remote workers are realizing that, hey, we can live anywhere. So back to the price. I mean, we would do one to two bedrooms and and keep it relatively price competitively is what I'll say. You know, if it's on the top end of the market, it could sit just like in any real estate market. Yeah, this um, reminds me. So Kenji and I lived in Hawaii uh, a couple of years ago in Oahu, and uh, our hospitalist group had tons of traveling hospitalists, um, and they oh, were sure. they were renting places in Oahu. You can residents only do, too. Yeah. yeah, in Oahu you can only do short term rentals um, in Waikiki, but then for the people who owned condos outside of Waikiki, this was a great opportunity. Um, and a lot of the physicians had cars also given to them as part of their stipend. So. Very cool. It would potentially allow people to actually buy a property, a vacation rental in Hawaii, where a, sure. a lot of short-term Something rentals they could are actually- use a couple of weeks out of the year and make money off of it. I mean, you also bring up a good point in terms of the, the term. You know, that 30, 60, 90 day term, a lot of times will get you past, I'll say can get you past some of the local regulations. So say, Maybe as 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 micro as uh, your HOA regulation, if you have an HOA, or they may say, "Hey, thirty day minimum" or something. Some are are different. Uh, if you do buy a condo or an apartment, make sure before you close or in your inspection period that you get the all the HOA docs. What do they call it? I forget. But get the docs so you can see exactly because a lot of these HOAs have gone towards the short-term rental market just with Airbnb and all the success and exposure they've had um, a lot of cities and and has has uh, kind of trickled down to HOAs as well they've made rules against short-term 
rentals. So make sure to define what a short-term rental is according to your either HOA, your city, or your state. Yeah. And that, that's a great point. I want to kind of uh, really talk about this in the context of strategy. And so there are people who currently own, let's say, condos or properties, and they purchased them and they didn't have a strategy up front and they realize, oh no, my HOA restricts short-term rentals or- Happened to us. Yeah. Or the city changes regulations and I can't use my properties or short-term rental. So I think what's great about this is that this allows you to pivot in those types of situations, but ideally you're more strategic than that. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really big part of how we approach things, right? Is that before we even buy a property, we're thinking strategically and right. not just from a kind of short-term, long-term and regulation standpoint, right? We're also thinking about it from a tax standpoint. And I want to kind of take us there for those who are listening who don't know, you know, the IRS defines a short-term stay or short-term rental as a less than seven days. On average. On average, exactly. So now if you want to get out, out of that kind of seven days and you want to kind of consider your property or have the IRS consider your property as a long-term rental, you got to you gotta keep your average stay above seven days. And so again, one great way of doing that when you have a furnished property and you don't want to use it as a short-term rental is set your minimum stay to whatever, 14 days or, or greater than seven days, sometimes 30 days uh, if you have other restrictions. Um, so that's a great way to kind of shift from short-term rentals to long-term rentals. Uh, and take advantage of different tax benefits. Yeah, you could see even somebody saying, okay, I want to maximize my profits here. Let me use it as a short-term rental, less than seven days for three months of the year. And let me have a traveling nurse stay in it for the other nine months. And the average stay suddenly becomes over seven days. And now it's a long-term rental. You can collect those real estate professional hours, but you've also maximized your cash flow. Yeah, I think that's smart. And that happens quite a bit, especially where you guys are now, I believe in Seattle. I mean, a lot of our property owners, they've tell us like, hey, we don't need your help during our peak season, but we do need our help, your help on the back half. So their annual membership is really just to focus on, on getting tenants during their slower season. And wherever you are across the country, if you're in a snow area, sun area, whatever, you know, you're going to have, you know, ups and downs and, you know, connecting with traveling professionals and that stay months at a time is just a great way. Let's call it on your off season. It's a great strategy. And that's what we do. Furnish Finder will just, will feed you these travelers. So you're, you know, you create a listing that you're probably familiar with, and then the listing process will kind of match you with the travelers. Uh, the travelers can contact you directly, or you kind of get all the information on a on a tenant lead. Contact the lead, and you make them your tenant however you want. Of course, we always recommend screening every tenant. Uh, I'm sure you guys do a lot of that in your in your classes, but um, always screen a tenant, even if they're healthcare professionals. Like humans are humans, so uh, regardless of what industry they're in, protect your property, screen your screen your uh, tenants all the time. Um, have a, a lease, obviously, that uh, makes sense. And then, um, you know, you can do online rent payment or collect money however you want. Yeah, I, I think I want to reiterate that point about being strategic. And when you're looking at a property, yeah, yeah, think about the peak season, low season. And as you said, during the low season, you can definitely rent your place for you know, 30, 60, 90 days and fill it up. Uh, and that, from a revenue standpoint, may be better than renting it out as a short-term rental 
during the low season for half the time or a quarter of the time. So I think that's one really great strategy. The other strategy that came up uh, recently, one of our students uh, brought this up and I think it was a really cool one, which is if you are planning to have a short-term rental, you know, you started out as actually as a long-term uh, a long short, right? So she'll rent it out for three months and then you can kind of work out all the all the kinks, right? And all the issues and you don't get those negative ratings, right? So, so she had mentioned that she had done this with one of her properties, started it out as uh, with a traveling nurse and traveling mm-hmm. nurse, travel nurse was really nice about saying, hey, you know, this is, this is a problem. This is a problem. And she had her handyman go in and she fixed all the issues. And then she kind of transitioned that to a short-term rental. So I thought that was kind of a cool strategy as well. Um, so definitely this would be a, a great use for some like Furtish Finder. Yeah. Very cool. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth Short-Term Rental Blueprint, will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now, we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semiretiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Let's go through how this actually works in practice um, because I want to wrap my head around it. So we have a property in Tacoma. We have some one bedrooms, um, which it sounds like is ideal, right? Because it's one one traveling nurse, for example, not multiple, not a family, not four bedroom, right? It's a one bedroom. How would we go about doing this? What are the steps to get somebody in and how long does it take? Yeah. So uh, again, about property type, one bedrooms, they rent, two bedrooms, they rent. I mean, some people will also have, hey, I've got a three or four bedroom house. The kids are out of the house. What do I do with these uh, other rooms type of thing? So it, you, we do offer rooms as well. So for those scenarios where you have a few rooms and you want to offer shared housing to uh, traveling professionals, that's an option. But, okay. And your question was, uh, I, I lost track. So No, it's, uh, it's okay. It's like, how, how do I go about doing it? Do I go to your website? Yeah, okay. Like how? What are all the steps I need to go through? Yeah. Okay. That's an easy one. So uh, you go to furnishfinder.com, you list your property, costs $99. So there's no booking fees. So uh, say you're on a short-term, like a vacation rental management system, like uh, say you're on Airbnb, for instance, they're going to charge the traveler and maybe you up to 15, 18% of of the stay, right? So this is a great way to uh, to kind of bypass a platform that charges all of those types of fees. Um, so it works out very well for the traveler and for the for the uh, landlord. But essentially, you create your listing, you add your pictures, you get put in your description like you've you've done on other websites. Uh, your listing goes live again. Uh, traveler safety is utmost important. It may take some time, uh, twenty four hours, forty eight hours, uh, maybe sooner. 
but you do have to pass a, an authentication uh, software system that we have to make sure that you are who you say you are. It's mm-hmm. extremely important. Online fraud is rampant. And uh, we have um, really locked it down, spent so much time and money uh, making this a safe platform because otherwise it's just a Craigslist and, you know, you can't have that uh, attached to your name. So, yeah. And at that, at that point, now you're approved. You're going to start getting email messages or app notifications when you get a tenant lead. And essentially we're feeding you tenants. So we're, we're the source of, of uh, you know, when you want to find monthly traveling professionals to make into your tenant, you get a tenant lead, you reach out to them. A lot of times you look at uh, what they, what they say and they go, okay, well, I'm traveling with a pet and you go, well, you know, well, we'll filter those out, but that's a bad example, but you can look at uh, what their requests are and say, okay, I'm going to reach out to this person and um, see, you know, if, if it works out, you have conversations with them. Um, again, you have a system as a landlord, extremely uh, important for you to have a system, you know, that you follow. I'm not talking about an expensive system you have to build. I just mean a system that you follow. You know, I'm always going to screen a tenant. I'm always going to put them in a, a lease. Even if it's a month to month lease, you have to protect your property. You got to protect yourself and your tenant. Um, so uh, put them in that lease. So uh, have a, uh, have a system that you that you have and follow it every time, um, and then basically you have uh, all everything you need in order to rent that place. So again, it's not uh, an an online booking situation quite yet. We are moving into a, a, a way where it will be an online booking. However, you will still, as a landlord, still possess all of the uh, the rights and all everything that you need in order to make those renting decisions that are important to a landlord. Is there a way through the platform to screen tenants? And also, do you guys also provide a lease? Yes. So there's absolutely a way to screen the tenants. We have a company called KeyCheck. Uh, that is our company that we run. It's a sister company. So it's essentially, it's integrated into the Furnish Finder dashboard on the back end. So you can go ahead, you set up an account real quick. Um, it goes through TransUnion, lightning fast, amazing results. I mean, it's important. And I will mention one thing. A lot of traveling healthcare professionals specifically say, well, I've already been background checked. Why why do I need to do a a tenant screening report? Well, because it does cost them 40 bucks, right? It's free for the landlord. It costs the traveler 40 bucks, 39 bucks. So the reason is, is that an employment background screen check as you know, is is a lot different than than a tenant screening report. You know, landlords they want to know information like, are you paying your bills on time? You know, do you, are you in collections? Do you have a bankruptcy? Have you been evicted? You know, and so that's why you know not it's not necessarily all about the credit score, although it helps. But you dig into those specific items on the credit report just to make sure you know they're going through and they meet all of your criteria. But um, yeah, essentially, even though they get a background screen, we still recommend doing a tenant screening report. And then a lease, yes, you can. Um, we have a lease lease available as well that you can download. And then it's kind of like a you know wizard where you're able to kind of put in and then reformulate that lease every for every tenant. Uh, so it's pretty nice. Download it, send it however you want to do it. But it's automatically updated with kind of the specifics about your, you know, the laws and the 
regulations for your state. So let's say you've gotten someone in there for three months, it's coming to an end, um, and they're going to go somewhere else to work. At what point during their stay do you start searching for your next person? Is it a month out, two weeks out? When do you start looking? Yeah, I mean, I would argue that uh, always <laughs> uh, with a midterm, you're kind of always on on radar. Maybe the first month of a three month stay, you're on your heels a little bit, which is fine. But you know, always keep a keep an eye. I mean, we're feeding you these tenant leads, so you know your your next availability date. So then, as these tenant leads come in and match up, then you go, okay, I might reach out to this person, even though it's a month or two out, just to kind of line up my next tenant. Typically, uh, at least for traveling healthcare professionals, they'll know within two to four weeks if they want to renew or move on to the next one. Sometimes it's in that two-week window. So sometimes landlords you know, give them a little bit of extra grace knowing that, hey, because uh, these the hiring companies and the hospitals, sometimes they make up their mind last minute. So that's one thing. It's typically a 30-day out is standard for a month-to-month rental, but uh, sometimes these, uh, at least healthcare professionals, will want to renew and stay for another three months. Do the owners tend to collect uh, security deposits uh, and do they do move in and move out checkouts, uh, yeah. checklists? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's up to the landlord. Again, have your system and work your system. You know, uh, my old boss at Boston always said, uh, you know, plan your work and work your plan. If you deviate from it, you know, you're just sort of throwing mud on the wall and seeing what sticks. So stick to your plan and that will always keep you on track. Awesome. All right. So we always ask, ask all of our guests uh, two questions. And so the first question is, what is your definition of rich? Oh, man, uh, what a great question. I think uh, my definition of rich would be different 10 years ago than it is right now. And I've learned a lot in, the, in those 10 years. You know, I share a little bit of going a little personal, but working as hard as all of you doctors do. It's important to, you know, put up roadblocks on your time and be intentional about spending time with the people that you love. And that was, uh, that was difficult for me because I was very competitive in that kind of, in that sales position. Um, and I would always go after that next case because that's how you made money. And there was a cost for that. And that cost was me not being there for my family. And I, I made a, uh, a decision or uh, midstream that I have to, I have to make a change. I have to do something different. And, um, you know, the furnish finder is that, is that answer, but this passive real estate is, is probably your answer as well. At some point, you know, you're in control of your schedule and it's um, being rich. I mean, you can have all the money in the world, but if you die (laughs) from all of the, you know, diseases related to stress, or you're not spending time with the fam- the, the people that you love the most, it's not worth it. So my definition of rich now is yes, we all need those resources. We all need uh, to make our mortgage payment and live the way that we want to live. But that balance is so hard and you have to be intentional. Otherwise time will take its toll and suck it right out of you. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. And I agree uh, for a lot of our listeners, uh, real estate is is that kind of um, you know, way to to get some of that balance Absolutely. back, that freedom back. So 
Amazing. So what is one strategy, habit, or mindset that uh, separates someone who is rich versus someone who is poor? Um, I, you know, I think you just have to think differently. Uh, ultimately, I think it starts there. And you, you have to be comfortable with risk. Uh, that's hard for a lot of people, conservative people like, well, I'll just wait and see. If you don't take any of those risks, you're not ever going to do anything amazing or truly great. You have to take a risk. Um, and it's it's difficult. It's hard. You have to have your faith and you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe in what you're doing, but you absolutely must take that risk. Surround yourself. I know it's not one thing, but surround yourself with people you trust. You know, if you take a partner on in a practice or in a, in a business dealing, make sure you trust that person. That decision, when you take on a, a partner for whatever business dealing um, is, is a very, very important decision. So make sure you surround yourself with people that are bringing you up and you surround with people that you trust. Yeah, I think that's really both pieces of phenomenal advice. We call it playing not to lose, right? Most people are playing mm-hmm. not to lose, not playing to win, um, not playing oh, to, to do something amazing like, you, yeah. like you're talking about. And, and partnerships, they're like marriages, right? You're not just partnering with that person. You're partnering with the family too right? Because if their spouse doesn't like you or, you know, something happens to them and you're working with their spouse, you have to have to know this is a long-term relationship with the family, (laughs) like a marriage. So great advice. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you so much, Brian, for your time here. Could you again, remind everyone how to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, Well, I'm, I'm Brian at furnishedfinder.com, Brian with an I, and um, you can just go to our website, furnishedfinder.com for more details. Happy to answer any questions. We're always available and uh, a great strategy for doctors looking for passive income and kind of a a way to kind of work around the, you know, the short-term versus long-term rental strategies. Thank you. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.